0: What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engage JSU podcast. We are in an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open those up or turn those on to Judges chapter 6. That's where we're going to be tonight. Judges chapter 6 is in the Old Testament right between Joshua and Ruth. And so if you want to open that up, again, turn that on. That's what we'll be tonight as we continue this series, Here Comes Heaven. And so if you weren't with us last week or rather two weeks ago, let me just give you a very quick 60-second recap to get you where we're at tonight. So last week, we talked about this idea that in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of everything going on in our lives, we are living in a point where we're struggling to find hope. Because so many things that we put hope in, put certainty in, we don't have anymore. Like being able to hang out with our friends or just a sense of normalty when it comes to how we live our lives. And so because we've struggled to find hope, what we've talked about is so often we just walk around focusing on all the wrong things. Focusing on isolation or focusing on uncertainty, focusing on things like that. And so, what we looked at, at in 1 Peter is this idea that we need to take the, our focus off of this world and put it on a world that's coming. To focus on the time where well, heaven will come down to this world and we'll get to experience a world free of isolation, free of uncertainty, free of pain, and all the stuff that it's so easy for us to focus on today. And because we are people who take the form of our focus, it's important that we know where our focus is, because that will determine how we live our lives. And so last, we'll be we kind of wrapped up with this kind of bottom line for this series in a sense that says, if you have heaven, you have hope. And so that's where we kind of ended last week. And so tonight, what we're gonna do is kind of start this journey of talking about so many things that we focus on during this pandemic that we shouldn't, and where we need to set our focus so that we don't take the form of something that doesn't represent who we are as Christians. That's where we'll be tonight. Well, that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight. Where we'll be tonight is in Judges 6, as I've already said. So again, if you have your Bibles, open those up, turn those on, Uh, we'll have the verses on the screen for you. So feel free to follow along if you don't have a Bible. So my sophomore year in college, first semester was a really dark time for me emotionally. So that September, almost exactly this time of year, I broke up with a girl who I had been in a relationship with for over a year, found out in October that she was dating another guy. And because I had rushed into that relationship to kind of escape the pain of a relationship I was in before that, I found myself really getting over two girls at the same time. Would not recommend that, get Dub, ever think about pushing emotions aside, doesn't work well. Uh, so yeah, definitely went through a, a pretty, a pretty dark time. Um, so after a few months of loneliness and a New Year's Eve party that I won't ever forget because I was literally the only single person there, I started to get a glimmer of hope because that January on a Saturday I get a text from some of my friends and see so they were off visiting somebody in a college that was a few hours away and they sent me a text because they said they had met this really great girl who they thought would be a really great match for me. Now, I usually wasn't the type of person who enjoyed my friends, right, kind of blindly putting me together with people who I didn't know. But, you know, I was kind of overspending Friday nights with my friends, Ben and Jerry. So, at this point, I was I was, I was okay. I was, I was good giving this a shot. Um, and so... Me and this girl set up a time to, we scheduled a time to talk on Facebook chat, (laughs) which is probably a reflection of why we were both single. (laughs) And so we start talking and we actually surprisingly hit it off. Uh, So well, in fact, that soon after that, unexpectedly, without me knowing, one Thursday night, she decides to drive over two hours to go to the college ministry that I was involved in. And so I'm just sitting there like greeting people as they're walking in and she just shows up with this girl that I know. And so I'm like, okay. And so we kind of meet and we kind of talk and supposedly that went well enough that as my friend and her kind of leave to go up the stairs to head to the sanctuary, my friend, I promise you, walks with her, they're talking, she turns around and goes, You know, as so you can say, at that point, things were getting pretty serious. And so I felt like, man, this is, this is a good start, right? This is a great, a great beginning. Uh, so you can imagine how weird it was for me when soon after that, even though I felt like we had this really good connection, then I really had trouble, like, getting a hold of this girl. Like, I would text her and I would call her and really just kind of struggled to have kind of conversations, you know, at first you would give me, you know, lame excuses like, Oh Jesse, I'm so sorry. I've got so much homework to do, I just don't have time. Okay, bye. <laughs> you know, and then as that kind of transitioned from lame excuses, it became I would reach out to her and I would just get like nothing. Like just silence. And I specifically remember I was at work, I worked at an after school program with a bunch of kids, and clearly I wasn't doing my job because I was focusing on this relationship. I remember sitting there and I was driving myself crazy, right? Because I had been trying to walk this line that we all walk in potential relationships between cute and creepy, right? So we want to show people that we're interested because that's cute, right? And that's nice. But we don't want to show them that we're too interested because that just gets creepy, right? Especially for guys, right? Because we have the tendency to get real creepy real quick. Am I right, ladies? And so I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to call her. I'm just going to call her. Right? Because the last seven voicemails I left obviously didn't show I was interested enough. (laughs) (laughs) And so I remember calling her and it rang and it rang and it rang. And then all of a sudden I get the voicemail and I left her one more voicemail. And I remember this time though, when I hung up the phone, I thought to myself, I'm done. Right? I'm done calling, I'm done texting. I am done caring, because clearly, this girl is not interested in me. right? Clearly, she's not pursuing me. Clearly, she does not want to be around. She does not want to be in a relationship with me. I mean, so I mean, even though I was reaching out to her, she was not responding to me, and I was like, I'm finished. I'm done. Right, Clearly, this girl isn't somebody who wants to be around, and so I am done caring about this anymore. And see, as we jump into our passage tonight in Judges chapter 6, how I felt in that relationship with that girl is how I believe the people of Israel feel in their relationship with God. Because as we kind of jump into the story, what we're going to, the context of this is that for the last seven years, they feel like God has ghosted them, right? Just like that girl had ghosted me. Because for seven years, God's people have been taken advantage of, they've been hurt, they have been suppressed by these group of people called the Midianites. And so even though it felt like at one point God cared, even though it felt like at one point he was invested in the relationship, it seems like now he's not because they don't know where he is or why he's not stepping in to do something about this. To them, it seems like God is just out of the picture. And so because they don't know where God is, you can imagine how they're struggling to find any kind of hope as they live their day-to-day lives. That's so what so many people, as we jump into this story, are feeling. And so what we're going to do is we're going to focus on one of them, and his name is Gideon. And you probably heard Gideon's story a lot, but we're going to talk about it from an angle that I'm pretty sure you probably never heard of before. And so let's begin looking at Judges chapter 6, verse 11, and see how we can find hope from this passage. So we jump in where it says this. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the Tirbeth, which was a tree, at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Esborite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. So more than likely, Gideon is just living a typical day, right? A typical day where he is being in this wine press hiding from the Midianites in order to avoid their abuse, in order to avoid them taking the stuff that he has. But as he's doing this, something insane happens, doesn't it? I mean, out of nowhere, this angel is just sitting underneath this tree and just starts having this conversation with Gideon. I mean, think about how amazing this moment must have been for Gideon. Right, He's in the middle of this dark time. Right, He's living his life constantly being suppressed by these people called the Midianites. Until one day, a messenger from heaven shows up in the midst of this situation, in the midst of this pain. An angel that was so magnificent and so majestic that in other passages of scripture, when people see them, they bow down and worship them. And so this angelic being shows up to Gideon and he says to him these amazing words that God, or the Lord of his forefathers, the maker of heaven and earth is with him. I mean, he brings these comforting words to Gideon. Or at least words that should have been comforting to him. Because despite what this angel says, notice how Gideon responds. In verse 13, it says, And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And we're all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. I mean, Gideon, tell us how you really feel, man. I mean, this guy is bringing it. I mean, this heavenly majestic being is standing right in front of Gideon. And even though this should have been this amazing moment, Gideon doesn't really care. Because he's looking at this angel and he doesn't really comprehend or at least take what they're saying because he doesn't believe what they're saying is true. And based upon what we've talked about, can we really blame them? Because for the last seven years, to Gideon, God has been nowhere. God hasn't been anywhere in the picture. So even though when he was a kid, when his parents used to put them to bed, they would tell him about the stories of the things that their God did, how he, would, he delivered them out of Egypt, how he parted the Red Sea, how he provided manna in the wilderness, how he provided water when they were thirsty. And Gideon is thinking, throughout my life, I've seen no parting sea, I've seen no manna from heaven, and I've seen no water, I've seen nothing. And so you're trying to tell me that God is here because I don't see it. In this moment, Gideon doesn't believe what this angel is saying. Because based upon everything that he's experienced in his own life, it doesn't seem to be true. In fact, things have gotten so bad for Gideon that it's almost as if he seems even like apathetic or indifferent Even though he's in this amazing moment with this amazing creature, he doesn't seem to really care what's happening because all he can focus on is what they're saying isn't true to him. And see, this question that Gideon asked his angel, that if God is with us, then how has this happened to us, if we're honest, is a question that all of us have asked in our lives. All of us have gotten to this point in our lives that we've asked, if this is, God, if you're really here, then why are you allowing this to happen in my life? And especially over these last six months. Because to us, just like Gideon, it doesn't seem like God's around. Because even though we've been taught our entire life that God is everywhere, if we're honest, so often in our lives, it doesn't feel like he's anywhere. It doesn't seem like he cares about what's actually going on in our lives. And even though we've read the stories, right, we know all the miracles that he's done. We know all the great things that supposedly he's done in, our, in, in the Old Testament or the New Testament or during Jesus' life. Even though we know those things, the reality is we've never experienced those in our lives. We've never seen God show up and do something miraculous. And because we haven't seen God around, Because God hasn't been near us, we don't really feel like he cares about us. And so like Gideon, we doubt. We doubt the things that we've been told our whole lives are true. Because like him, all we can focus on is how absent God feels. And then because of that, we just become apathetic. Right? That's the form that we take. Because here's something that we all know to be true about our lives. Is that absence causes apathy. Right? Absence causes apathy. Think about that. Especially think about dating relationships like that girl. Right? Just like that girl in college. The reason I was done with her. The reason I walked away. The reason I stopped pursuing it. Because she was absent. Right? She clearly didn't want to be around me. She clearly wasn't interested in me. And so because of that, I just became apathetic. I became indifferent to what was happening. Because our mindset is, if somebody doesn't care enough to be around us physically, then we don't want to be around them enough emotionally to invest in anything. So we just walk away. We distance ourselves from them. Because if they don't care about us, why are we wasting the time caring about them? And so often what we don't realize is the exact same thing is true in our relationship with God. When we feel like God isn't around, when he, we feel like that he is absent from our lives because he's not stopping the pain or the struggles or the hopelessness that we find ourselves walking in every single day, then we get to the point that we just want to distance ourselves from him. Right? We stop praying, we stop reading the Bible, we stop going to church, we stop caring. Because if God doesn't care about us, why in the world should we care about him? Because in our minds, God's absence has made us apathetic. So we're done. So we'll go through the motions, we'll show up, but we're done. Because God doesn't seem to be around. And I know that's how so many of us feel tonight, especially with everything that's been going on in our lives. We're done. Like Gideon, we doubt that what the words of God say are actually true. We feel like God has forgotten us. We feel like God has walked away from us. We feel like God doesn't really care about us, right? So what that means is that when people tell us, oh, God's in control, and people tell us, oh man, God loves you, and people say, don't worry, all things work out for good, that doesn't comfort us, that just frustrates us. Because from everything that we've experienced in our lives, those words don't seem true. So as Gideon is standing here in this wine press, hiding from the very people that God refuses to get rid of, he feels how so many of us feel tonight. Like God has abandoned him and that God doesn't care about him. And so in this moment, as Gideon doubts the words of this messenger from God, we see that something else happens. Because as Gideon is sitting there not believing that this is true, the person who is doubting him or rather the person that he is doubting decides to speak up. He decides to enter into this conversation and to meet Gideon exactly where he is because look what it says in the next verse. It says, and the Lord, right? This is not the angel of the Lord anymore. This is the Lord. This is God who was talking. It says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you should strike the Midianites as one man. And so the midst of this moment where Gideon is struggling to find hope, the God of heaven stoops down to engage in a conversation with him. And we see the first thing that he does is he gives Gideon a purpose, doesn't he? He says, Gideon, I'm going to use you to rescue my people from the Midianites. You're gonna be the instrument that I use. And then when Gideon starts questioning his qualifications, God then responds with a promise. A promise to Gideon that says that as you do this, I will be with you. A promise that says, no matter what happens, I will be with you every step of the way. So in this moment, God meets Gideon right where he is, right in the mess, right in the pain, right in his situation, right in all of his doubt. And what God does is he uses his words to correct Gideon's emotions. God uses his words to correct Gideon's emotions because what he says to him is despite how you feel, Gideon, I am with you. I am right here. And I will continue to be with you every step of the way to protect you, to root for you, to fight for you, to love you. Gideon, I will be with you. You never have to be afraid. And the same promise that God makes to Gideon is the same promise that Jesus has also made to us. Because in John chapter 16, Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's hanging out with his disciples. And he tells them that he's leaving. And they have no idea what's happening. I mean, they're just like, what's happening? How are you leaving? We don't know. Right? I mean, they're just so confused. And Jesus says, you know what? It's actually, you don't need to stress about this you don't need to worry about this because it actually is a benefit that I leave. Because he tells them that when I leave, then God's spirit is going to come. And God's spirit being with you is better than me being next to you. And the reason that's true is because God's spirit lives inside of us. And because God's spirit lives inside of us, that means that God is always with us. That He is never absent. That God is with you even during the darkest moments of your life, even when you can't feel him, even when it doesn't seem like he is around. Because his spirit dwells inside of you, he is always there, forever, no matter what. And so what that means is that when we find ourselves being apathetic because we feel like God is absent, just like Gideon, we have to allow God's word to correct our emotions. We have to let God's word remind us that God is always with us because the spirit lives inside of us. He is always here. He is always with you. He is always fighting for you. He's always guiding you. He's always protecting you. He's always here so you never have to be afraid. And tonight, what I'm asking you to believe by faith, one day you will know is true because of sight. Because a time is coming that John tells us in the book of Revelation. A time is coming when God's presence is going to be so real and so radiant that it will illuminate every single thing that we see. In fact, in that day, he tells us the sun won't be anything that we even need to worry about anymore because in that moment, God's presence will be our light. Because a day is coming, he tells us, when God will no longer dwell in the heavens like he does now. But a day is coming when God will do well with his people. Well, God will be right in front of us. And we never have to question where he is. Because in that day it will be like when Jesus came, right? When God with us, Emmanuel, stepped out of heaven into a manger. And then he decided to go to a cross. And to die a death in our place as our substitute. So that we never would have to live this life on our own. He went and rose from the dead so that the spirit could always live inside of us. And now he reigns so that you never have to be alone. And so what that means is that you can find rest tonight. You can find peace tonight knowing that if God wasn't absent at the cross, then he's not going to be absent in your darkest moments. If Jesus didn't leave you in the midst of the pain and the suffering and everything that went on in his life at the cross, then you know that he's going to be present and with you and near you every single day of your life. Even when you can't feel it, even when you don't see him, even when you don't understand what's happening, God is still with you. God still loves you. God still cares about you. And God is still fighting for you because the cross proves that. And so what that means for us is in our darkest moments when we feel like God is nowhere to be found, we can get so focused on trying to find him around us that we forget that God is already inside. please don't confuse God's silence with his absence. Because God wasn't the first one to talk in Gideon's story. And he might not be talking right now in yours. But that doesn't mean that he's absent. Because the same promise that he gives Gideon is the same promise that he gives us, that he is with us no matter what. But if you remember, God doesn't just give Gideon a promise here. God also gives Gideon a purpose, doesn't he? And that purpose was to deliver his people from the hand of the Midianites. So what that means is, in this moment, this is big, is that God isn't just giving Gideon hope. God is also wanting Gideon to give hope. Right? Because God tells them, look, you are going to be my presence. When I deliver my people from this enemy, you will be the one that does it for me. Right, And many of us know the story. What happens? God uses this, this group of 300 misfits to take out this army of the Midianites of like over 100,000 people. I mean, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. The odds don't stack up. But in that moment, God was with them because Gideon was the one that God was using to overcome these guys. And this is big. Because what that means is in this moment, God is giving Gideon hope so that he can give hope to other people. And so as those who belong to Jesus, what we have to remember is that we encounter hope, not just for ourselves. We encounter the hope that's found in heaven so that we can share that hope with others. So that we too can be God's presence. In this world, that we too can represent him to a group of people who are struggling for hope, who are struggling to survive, who are struggling to find purpose. That is what we're called to do. In fact, I love a quote by a writer named David Finch. This is what he says right here. He says faithful presence means the reality that God is present in the world and that he uses a people faithful to his presence, what? To make himself concrete and real amid the world's struggles and the pain. What David Fitch is saying is that how God becomes concrete and real in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering in this world is you. Just like Gideon, God is calling you. To be the one that represents him in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this pandemic. And so, what that means is the reason that God right now might be silent is because he's calling you to be his presence. He's calling you to be the one to show people what it looks like to trust in God even when you can't see him. He's calling you to be the one that shows a world in pain what it means to worship a God even when you can't feel him. He is calling you to show people what it means to find hope in a God who is willing to come down and die for you. And so even in your darkest moments, you can hold on to this amazing reality that God loves you, that he's with you, that he hasn't forgotten you, that he hasn't left you, but he is in this moment with you. Guys, that is our purpose in the midst of this pandemic. To show a world struggling to find hope, the hope that they can found in a Savior that loved them and died for them so that they can spend eternity in a place that is free from all the things that we hate in this life. Our job is to show them the one whose love and grace and salvation gives everything that we need. And so what we see from this passage is we see an encouragement and we see a challenge, right? The encouragement for us today is to remember, just like Gideon, that God has promised to be with us. That God is never distant. That God is never absent. Right? That God is always with us, fighting for us, rooting for us, loving us, and calling us to look more like Jesus. But then our challenge comes is once we encounter, once we realize that hope is to share that with other people. To be God's presence in a world that is struggling right now, right? To be God's presence to so many people, He'll wake up every single mo- morning and wonder why they're here. And is this going to get any better? Man, we know the answer to both those questions. And we have a hope that is focused on something that is so much bigger on a world that is coming where God will be with us and we'll do well with him for all eternity. So our job is to share that with other people. Our job is to let them know that. And so what that means is whenever we find ourselves being apathetic because we feel like God is absent, right? Whenever we find ourselves putting our focus and our form there, where we can find hope, in both knowing and sharing is in this amazing reality that God can't be absent where his people are present. Man, God can't be absent where his people are present. And so wherever we are, that is where God is. And wherever you are, you're called to represent him to so many people. That's your challenge. That's your purpose in the midst of this pandemic. So as we wrap up, this is what I want you to do this week. Right. Two weeks ago, we wrapped up the, the, the kind of the, the charge of the challenge was to find your hope in heaven. And once you do that, the next step that you take is to share the hope of heaven. Right? That's what you're called to do, to share the hope of heaven to so many people who need it. To your friends who are struggling right now, man, share the hope of heaven. To your family who is in constant chaos because so many things are happening, share the hope of heaven. To that person that you see who's just broken and weeping, hanging out at JSU because they're so overwhelmed with all the mess that's happening right now, share the hope of heaven. So your friends, you just have their heart ripped out because the hope that they put in a relationship is now gone. Share the hope of heaven. Share about this time when heaven will be here in this room right where we are and we'll worship our God for all eternity because he loved us enough to die for us and he loved us enough to send his spirit. He was always with us, always rooting for us, always guiding us and always here so that you never have to be alone. Share the hope of heaven. Be God's presence in a world that is in desperate need of seeing him. And as you do, remember that God is never absent. Allow God's word to correct our emotions. Because God can't be absent where the people he loved and died for are present. Let's worship that God tonight. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're a God who pursues us. Thank you that you're a God who died so that we could be here in this moment, in this room, so that we could stand here tonight, God, with with wounds and with scars and with emotions and with all of the chaos that is happening, Lord. There's so many of us here tonight. And if we're honest with you, God, the the, the past couple weeks, the past couple of days, maybe even the past couple of years, you have felt further than the moon from us. But tonight, God, we want to remember the truth found in your word, the truth of scripture that you are a God who lives inside of us and you are always with us and we have followed Jesus and we've given our lives over to him. And for some people here tonight, God, maybe they've never done that. Maybe they grew up in church. Maybe they've even, you know, said a prayer. Maybe they've even been baptized before, Lord, but they're realizing for the first time in their life that they've never experienced God's presence because they've never truly given their life to him. God, whether we've never known you, Father, or whether we just feel like we don't know you, Father, wherever we are tonight, my prayer and my heart, hope is that we will sit here tonight and worship a God who did everything possible so we could be loved, forgiven, and saved. And that tonight, Lord, we will sing to you with hearts wide open. And we pray this in the name of our ever-present God and Savior. Amen.